So, so last week we had a look at the topic of habits, um, and we thought about our own habits, um, particularly as we enter into a new season, a new year, and we reflected on um, a very particular habit that God's people, the Israelites, had in this prayer that they would say every morning and every evening, and that prayer is called the Shema, which means hear or listen, coming from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, which says, Shema or hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You will love him with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. And today we're going to continue, but we want to start a new series um, that will last for the next few weeks, um, and it will be about taking a deeper look at the person of Jesus. Um, and we're wanting to look at the person of Jesus, and we want to look into even some of the tenets of the gospel. And so I thought it might be helpful for us to use the five W's. Um, to answer and remind ourselves of the truth of who Jesus is and why he is worthy of our praise, why he is worthy of our worship, and why he is worthy of being followed. Why? Why? And so with Jesus at the center, I hope that we will see where we fit in as individuals and where we fit in as a body. So in case you aren't familiar with the five W's. Um, this is how Wikipedia describes it. Seems really small. Um, but the five W's, um, or the five W's and the one H, or the, the six W's, um, are questions whose answers are considered basic in information gathering. And they include who, what, when, where, and why. And the five W's are often mentioned in journalism, in research, as well as in police investigations. And they constitute a formula for getting the complete story on a subject. And according to the principle of the five W's, a report can only be considered complete if it answers these questions starting with an interrogative word of who, what, where, when, why, and how. And what we'll do is maybe we'll combine one or two of them together to make better sense as we move ahead. And the questions that we will ask will, as I mentioned, they will relate to Jesus, but they'll also relate very strongly to us and who we are and I hope that it will help us come to a deeper understanding of Jesus and his relationship to us. And so today we are going to start with the who. The who. Sounds like a vent. Now, now we're going to be looking at a scripture, but I, I'd like to, and I've gotten some feedback some, from some folk, and they said they, they really want to have more interactive engagements when we deal with Scripture. We had a steering team um, meeting in the week, and that was one of the things that stood out about what some of the things were that people were, were sensing or feeling. And so before we go to the Scripture, 
We want to gather some wisdom from amongst one another, from, from the pews. <laughs> and so we want to share some of, the, some of the knowledge and the understanding that we've come to about, about who Jesus is. And so you know what? Um, Luke is going to help us. And what I want is people to give their, give their answer to the question. So you give your answer, and Luke there is going to put it up there, and, um, and then, we'll, <laughs> and then we'll, we'll keep going there. So, so here's the first question. <laughs> so who do people who don't confess Jesus to be God, who do they say that he is? A good man, says Mike. A good ethical example. I'm just I'm letting Luke keep up. A prophet. What else do other people say, Mike? A good person. Okay. So, um, Cindy says a teacher. What, what are the, some of the other things that you've heard? A healer. And these are people who don't believe that he is God, okay? A myth. She's on point. People who don't believe, what do they say about Jesus? A swear word. Really good one, Amy. He's a bedtime story. Oh, baby Jesus. Dear Lord, baby Jesus. He's a bedtime story. Oh. Are there any others? Irrelevant. That's a good one. Andrea says, not the only way. What's that? He's a liar, says Jordan. One of the ways. Okay. A cult leader. <laughs> okay, good point. Does that, it sounds like we're running out of it. Should we kind of? He had good, he had good sandals too. He had good beard, good hair. That's the white Jesus. Good sandals. <laughs> I like it. He had good fashion sense, yeah. Okay. Do we want to, do we want to land it there, kind of? That just kind of feels like you know, it's a, the first hippie. <laughs> first hippie. Angie. A joke. Oh, okay. Let's, let's, let's pause it there because I've got more questions. Um, but before we go to the next question and to get some more feedback from you guys, um, just have, let's have a look at that list before I move to the next slide. So people, non-worshippers, who don't believe or admit that Jesus is God, say that he's a good man, a good ethical example, a prophet, a teacher, a healer, a myth, a swear word, a bedtime story, oh. irrelevant, not the only way, a liar, one of the ways, a cult leader, or a joke. Now, I, 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 I wrestled with this and I thought, you know what, I do think that we need to also consider what other religions have to say about 
who they think Jesus is. And so I've mentioned, I just took, how many are there? Six. So it ranges from really old religions down to the most, I just chose the most, down to the most recent or young one that there is around. So Hinduism is about 4,000 years old, and they believe that God, the universe, human beings, and everything else are one thing. Hindus, quite interestingly, have about 33 million gods. So each family and each person will have their own personal God who they might come up with themselves. They regard Jesus as a holy man, a wise teacher, and they number him among their gods. Then there's Judaism. Now they, they would present Jesus as a man who was born to Mary and Joseph. Um, he was a traveling teacher who had many disciples, someone who performed miracles and drove out demons. Um, but they deny that Jesus is the Son of God or even a legitimate prophet. But they believe that Malachi was the last of the true prophets. And they reject the idea that Jesus is divine and they think the concept of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, is blasphemous. There's a lot more that they do believe, but that's kind of maybe the gist of what they, what they have. Then there's Islam. We have, I've got Muslim family. I'm sure some of you guys have Muslim friends. Some of you might have family. But Muslims respect Jesus as a prophet, in fact, one of their own prophets. He's a wise teacher to them, someone who worked miracles, who also healed many, but they reject that Jesus was God or the Son of God or a member of the Trinity. In fact, they cannot get their minds wrapped around the idea of the Trinity because to them it just sounds like three gods. And they believe very strongly that the biblical records of him have been corrupted. Then there's Buddhists. To Buddhists, um, they regard their belief system as more of a philosophy than a religion. And they believe that Jesus was an enlightened man and a wise teacher. Then there's this new faith, the Baha'i Baha faith. Um, it's the newest of the world religions. And they believe that there is one God, but one God who works through all of the religions and all of the prophets who have come over the generations. And to them, Jesus was a wise teacher with an aspect of divinity in that he was one of several who projected divine attributes into the world. While I was reading up about this particular religion, it was interesting to see how many current, very famous people, actors, actresses, politicians, follow the Baha'i faith. And then there's the last one, look, the New Age movement. Now, most New Ages believe that Jesus was an enlightened master who manifested a divine power that is potentially available to all who enter the new age, but Jesus isn't God to them. So he's not worthy of worship. 
but his teachings are highly respected and even adopted by them into a lot of their belief. So that's what some of the most prominent religions today believe of who Jesus is. I want to go to the next slide now and ask you the next question. And the next question is, who do you say that Jesus is? The way, the truth, the life. The Savior. My Savior. The Son of God. The Word of God. The Messiah. The light of the world. He is there. The Lion of the tribe of Judah. The Creator. The Lamb of God. The King of Kings. <laughs> the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Emmanuel. Best friend. I like that, George. A son. Yeah. A son. In the, in the sense of the Trinity. Or a son. Okay. Yes. His manhood. Mm -hmm. What else is there? A big brother. Okay. Feels like we're kind of slowing down, is it? <laughs> you following the list there? Okay. Yes. A blessing. Wow, it's a good one. He's historically proven. Okay. Okay, those are really good. Let's kind of... <laughs> okay. Okay, let's, let, let's kind of land it there. I know that there's still so much um, that we can say and that you probably would like more time to think about, but I, I want to move us on um, to, our, to our Scripture reading. But let's go through it quickly. We say that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, the Savior, my Savior, Son of God, the Word of God, Messiah, the light of the world, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Creator, the Lamb of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Emmanuel with one M, my best friend, a son, a big brother, his holy he is a blessing. He is historically proven. He is the prototype and firstborn of the new creation. Thank you, Luke. Awesome. So we want to move now to a scripture that helps us continue to engage with who is Jesus as one of the W's. 
I'm going to go to the next slide, which has our text, which comes from Matthew 16. So Matthew 16, verses 13 to 20, says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, Messiah, depending on which translation you use there, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. There's a whole lot happening in this text. You can leave it there. Look. We're not going to be able to get to all of it. We'll just touch on some of the bits that help us to answer this question. So in this text, Jesus and his disciples have gone up north, probably as far north as you could go in Israel back then, close to the border, way up there in the north, to this place called Caesarea Philippi. And it was kind of a resort town. Um, It was this place where there were springs. In fact, the biggest spring that feeds the Jordan River is found in Caesarea Philippi. It would have been a place where people would have gone to retreat and to relax. In fact, a lot of the wealthy people, um, in fact, Caesar himself, which is why the place gets that name, went there for, um, for a time of retreat. So they're there. And, um, and he asks the question that we've just considered to the disciples. And as we saw in the text there, the disciples answer that some people say that he is John the Baptist, others declare that he is Elijah, and still others claim that Jesus is Jeremiah or some other prophet. They give very different opinions of who people think Jesus is. Some, in a similar way that we just kind of just gave them in there, very different opinions. Elijah was known for his triumphs. Jeremiah was known for his tears. He was called the weeping prophet. Very different people who they think that he could have been. And so in other words, people didn't agree about who Jesus is. And so clearly there were differing views amongst them. People identify Jesus, the Son of Man, with dead prophets, then and even now. Some even believe that he is the reincarnation of certain prophets. Some of those religions believe that Jesus was the reincarnation 
of someone. Someone sent by God who did miraculous deeds. Someone who stood toe-to-toe with kings and delivered to them words of judgment, opposition, and hope from Yahweh. But it seems that the answer that the disciples give is an answer that reflects that they may be missing the essence of who Jesus is. And then, when asked by Jesus who they say he is, there's kind of a silent moment there. It seems like it. With the exception of Simon Peter, they don't seem to have an an opinion of their own. And Peter emerges as kind of maybe a spokesperson for the twelve, and he says, you are the Christ, or the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to them, he says to Peter, that Peter's answer did not come from human beings. It is not based on rumor, it's not based on gossip, or the hearsay of others, It wasn't solely based on the fulfillment of prophecy and the interpretation of Scripture. It wasn't only that that helped him see who Jesus was. Peter says Jesus is the Christ. Now that word Christ means anointed one. Now if we read throughout the Bible, we notice that Um, God is at work in three distinct activities. The first is that he reveals himself so that we may know him. He reveals himself that we may know him. That's the first way. The second way, he reconciles himself to us so that we may be at peace. And then the third way is that He rules so that his plans may be fulfilled. We see that pattern throughout Scripture. Now, also in the Old Testament, we see three kinds of anointed people for particular service to God. And the first person that we see is prophets, anointed to speak the word of God, in revealing him. So we see prophets, and then we see priests anointed to offer sacrifice in the ministry of being reconciled to God. And then thirdly, we see kings who are anointed to defend and lead God's people. And all of those three people, those three persons that we see throughout the Old Testament, they do on earth what God has revealed in heaven. And all of these anointed people, these prophets, these priests, and these kings that we read about in the Old Testament, all of them were pointing into their future at one person, the anointed one, the Christ, the one of whom they, the prophets, the priests, and the kings, were only a shadow. The one who would come and bring to completion 
what they could only do in part. The prophets, the priests, and the kings, they could only do so much. But in the ministry and in the anointed being, they were able to point to the future and say, there's one coming who will be able to bring to completion the things that we can only start, the things that we can only do to a certain degree. And Peter says, you are that one. You are that one. You know, when I first read that, it was kind of like, you know, there's that meme doing the rounds now of, of Leonardo DiCaprio sitting on a couch with a beer and a cigarette. And he's like, <laughs> it's like that moment of revelation of, yes, he's the one. He's the one. And he says to Jesus, you are the Christ. It is a moment of revelation for Peter that he shares with the others. You see how we identify Jesus should also be based on personal encounters with God. Even though we are informed by reading and rereading the sacred text of the Bible and being in community as we are today, dialoguing with one another about who he is, how we identify Jesus must be grounded in a lifelong conversation, a relationship with God, whereby we adjust what we think and how we think we know as necessary in conjunction with the Spirit and the Word. There's a personal something that needs to happen as well. You know, our church, our pastors, our mothers, our fathers, our family, our leaders and others, they will all have their own opinions. But in the end, we each have to decide for ourselves in conversation with God who we say Jesus is. We cannot hand over the responsibility of answering that question for us to someone else. There's a personal faith that comes along with it. You know, we have to wrestle with this question ourselves. And allowing ourselves to be carried along by the crowd all the time, or putting it off, won't get you to the answer of that question. Because Jesus is a living God. He is a living God who is alive and dynamic. He is active. He is vibrant. He is not static or stationary or motionless. A God whose clearest communication to people happened in the past thousands of years ago. He's not the God who's only operating in that way. Jesus is the Messiah of the living God. He is Emmanuel. He is with us now. Jesus as the Son of Man 
means that God continues to speak and to act now. He's doing things now. God does not have to resurrect John the Baptist. He doesn't need to resurrect Elijah or or Jeremiah or any of the other prophets to speak. God never ceases to exist. He never ceases to redeem and to create and to anoint, to be our prophet, to be our priest, to be our king. He is moving now. Now those verses that we read are loaded with a lot of theology, but I I want to shift our attention now to a moment when Jesus described himself in a metaphor. But the use of his metaphor shows us how much a part of the answer to the question, who do you say Jesus is, we are. And it comes from a very well-known text. John chapter 15, verses 1 to 8. And Jesus says here, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will even be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, when you read those words of how Jesus describes to us who he is, what does that mean to you? And if you think about it, how does that help you answer that question in a deeper sense? If you think about that, who is Jesus? It's interesting to note that, you know, when when we're just having conversation with one another, the description of who Jesus is really comes out as, He is the vine, and I am the branches. There is this relational aspect of who Jesus is, this communal desire that he expresses even in how he describes himself, his identity that includes us. In closing, you know, there are 
many more verses that point us to answering the question of who Jesus is. There are some. And as we enter into this new season, I want to encourage you to pursue them. Ask these questions. Continue the conversation with the living God. Jesus, teach me more of who you are. Show me more of who you are. Reveal to me who I am in you. I want to close now and close off in prayer, but I want to ask this evening, and I'm going to ask a question every week, and it's going to feel uncomfortable to you. I want to ask you, who is Jesus to you today?